All it takes is a click to listen to RTI online. Get exercise for your finger and exercise for your mind at english.rti.org.tw. You're listening to Radio Taiwan International. Thanks so much for joining us today. Up ahead this hour, it's Lights, Camera, Asia, and In the Spotlight. But first, we start off today's program with Here in Taiwan. Hello and welcome to Here in Taiwan. Today is Thursday, December 5th. I'm John Van Trieste, and joining me here in the studio today, we've got Shirley Lin. Hi, John. And Jake Chen. Hello. Up next, we'll be hearing uh, why a Taiwanese takeout menu is making a splash in the Japanese fashion world. Then, how are Taiwanese students doing in reading, math, and science? We'll be hearing uh, how they're doing compared to their peers around the world in the latest PISA scores. Then Taiwan is facing a pretty serious brain drain, but despite all that, Taipei still remains the world's best place for expats to live. We'll be hearing why next. Now, I would have expected a Taiwanese takeout menu to show up in a place like maybe a Western tattoo parlor or something like that. In a place oh, where, no. they could, where people couldn't understand what it means and just think it kind of looks cool, you know, or yeah. on a shirt of some kind, you know. Um, but this is uh, in Japan, a country with whom we share characters. Uh, they could, they're pretty clear about what all this means and they're still wearing it. Yes. Well, you know, the uh, Taiwan food trend is really catching on in Japan to the point that Japanese businesses are creating products inspired by Taiwan delights, including, uh, you know, a, a restaurant chain menu. Okay, this is Wenzhou Big Wonton. And putting it on a shirt? Yeah, a hoodie, on a hoodie, the back like. of a hoodie. Right. So and the whole wontons. menu, it's just so funny. You know, um, uh, yeah, I guess they, they got the copyright, though. But um you know, and then on the top, uh, on the front part of the of the hoodie, they in Chinese characters very like like an emblem. It says "dan chao fan," like like egg fried rice. Egg fried rice. <laughs> and this is in a country where people are very clear what this says. There's not like they can't yeah, read true, it. Yeah, true, true. Uh, so, so I guess that's you sure that's Taiwanese though, because Wenzhou is a province in China. It's a oh, city in China. okay. But no, but the the, but the, the restaurant chain by that oh, name yeah. is from Taiwan, I think. Very popular. It's it's literally everywhere. You see, it, it. is everywhere. Yeah, it is everywhere. But um, anyway, you know, actually, when the new line of clothes came up, with this menu on the back of it got sold out right away. Really? <laughs> yes, in Japan. And so, but this is not the only thing. You know, this whole Taiwan food and 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 specialties and everything is really catching on in Japan to the point where. I, I'm assuming it's the mentholatum um, Japanese uh, branch of this company has come up with boba milk tea lip balm. Wow. <laughs> like a flavor? Yeah, I suppose. Like the flavor. Mm. And then um, they also, uh, I think last month, they also had a line of hats. Um, it's about a different company, though. Oh, no, it's the same company as the clothes company. It's called Avil, A-E-V-I-L, uh, labels. And they also came up with a line of hats and with um, like Taiwan's fried chicken cutlets um, like a as, a, as a design. Them? Yeah. And how then would, how would you recognize that from any other chicken cutlets? You know, I can't really. Oh, wait a minute. 
Oh, wait a minute. <laughs> I'm, fried, fried chicken kind of looks the same I'm, no matter where I it's know. from. <laughs> but, you know, the thing is that um, you know, the picture of, with the hats uh, is very small. Oh, I see it now. I see it. Okay, it's got this, you know, like a, like a what is, they say like a face I mean, this, the, the, the chicken cutlets that's like the biggest as your face. Okay, I understand okay. what you're saying. And it's a, it is a, um, a, is it a branch or is it an advertising slogan? I could never figure it out. Uh, it's it's a, But you'll see signs at places where they sell chicken cutlets in Taiwan that tell you that the cutlet you are about to eat is bigger than your face. I know, and, and they are. That's I'm not sure if that's a brand name or just something that people put up as an advertising gimmick, but it is a very common thing. I think there's more than one uh, one chain that, that actually come up with these um, chicken cutlets that are as, as big as your face. And yeah. they really are. I mean, it's, it's kind of an advertisement and also a warning. So, right. I, so they're, they say they put that on your, ha- on your hat. On your hat. Um, right in the smack in the middle with a, with a paper packaging, you know, they hold a cutlet in. Yeah. Do they so have the grease a, stains? Uh, no. <laughs> that of, would be gross. I wouldn't of, want that. They're want kind, to of wear that kind of transparent by the time you're done eating I know. It. I wouldn't want to wear that kind of hat. Well, it mm-hmm. also has a hat with the boba milk tea um, as a as a design on the mm. front too. So there you so. have it. I mean, in other parts of the world, other countries, they've got their soap operas or their animation or their what are dramas or whatever. We have fast food. That's how we're going to take the world by storm. Yeah, and also <laughs> unhealthy night- food. <laughs> yeah, and also night market. Not not talking about foods, but night market games oh, like the okay. dart throwing and the goldfish fishing and hoop tossing. Now, goldfish fishing, they have, <laughs> goldfish fishing they have at Japanese summer carnivals, too. That's not unique to Taiwan, but definitely oh, okay. well, sort of the, the dart games and yes. uh, in particular, the, the pinball-type games where they use an actual marble instead of a pinball. Uh, that's, that is something that oh, I think yeah. is very Taiwanese. You're right. And I'm seeing a hat here with the, the character, Chinese characters, really big, saying Ximending. Which is a very popular Shopping district, district in Taipei. And bar district in, in yes. Taipei, yeah. Yeah. So, so Taiwanese chic. <laughs> it's kind of shabby chic, but that's okay. That's the way we do things here. We're very down to earth like that. I know, really. Pisa. It's more than a place with a leaning tower. It's also a name of an international uh, exam that compares how people are doing in terms of math, science, and reading skills. I think the reading skills part may be a bit unfair because uh, different languages have different, you know, difficulties. We, oh. we have to learn a set of characters, for instance, and uh, English speakers have to learn crazy spelling. So I think it's different. It's hard to compare with, with that. But uh, the other things, anyway, math and science, uh, how are we doing compared to some of our peers around the world? Right, uh, PISA, and incidentally stands for a Program of International Students Assessment, uh, recently announced uh, their score for students around the world for 2018. I don't know what, what took them so long, but uh, hey, we finally got them. So um, Taiwan ranked among other countries number fifths in math, number tenths in science, and number seventeens in reading comprehension. Mm. So compared to what well, it sounds, um, I guess, pretty good uh, when you put it on a global scale. But compared to some of the uh, peers in Asia, Taiwan is lagging behind, especially in science, which has fallen a number of places uh, compared to the previous year. So can you tell us a bit more about these exams, especially the reading comprehension? Like I said, every language is, has its own set of difficulties. Is, is this English reading comprehension? or um, I don't have the information here. They did say that they have a computerized uh, a series of tests to I mean, test the students' reading comprehension. And are these standard across all countries? Because I imagine if one of them has to read a novel by Proust or like War and Peace and the other one is reading... It you know, should. It's, it's kind of... will skew the results a little bit, you know. Right. 
Um, I think PISA is much more than a just a group of standardized tests that all the students have to undergo. It also takes into consideration of the general academic performance of students, uh, sort of with respect to their local education system. Okay. Um, so, so what, uh, with science, for instance, what is, is that? That has, is that biology, chemistry, earth science? Yeah, I guess all the subjects that uh, fall it, into that category. Hmm. You know. Uh, and uh, again, mass, mass is mass, and science is pretty much everything else that falls into uh, the subcategory of science. So, um, yeah, coming in, so in mass, Taiwan is doing pretty well at number five. Coming in at one, two, three, and four is uh, China, Singapore, Macau, and Hong Kong. And uh, China ranks number one has become a theme here because it also comes in first in science and reading comprehension. Hmm. Wow. Um, in yeah, this is the third year in a row that China tops. Oh, sorry, China tops at least two of the three categories. Um, in science, Taiwan comes in at number ten, and which remains uh, steady from the previous year. And in reading comprehension, Taiwan has fallen quite a few places uh, down to seventeen. So um, apparently, the a series a number of officials have come out and commented on the score as they always do whenever any international scores are announced. And they said uh, they will uh, look, uh, be looking into hiring more uh, resources, hiring more teachers, and improve resources uh, in middle and elementary schools to help students develop their reading capabilities. Hmm. Is there any commentary on why or how big of a deal it is to fall from or to rise or fall from one place? Or are we all kind of very close together, or is there a big gap between one place and then the next? Or they didn't say. You mean the education ministry? No, I mean like, what's is one first and second place like neck and neck, or is that like a very big gap, or I don't know. And also, like, is there any explanation about why we've risen or fallen in different areas? Are people not reading, for instance, or all on our cell phones? If I have to guess, I, I think people are not reading enough, or not reading as much as they used to. Uh, especially at school, will be one of the reasons. But the education ministry didn't say, you know, what exactly the reason they think it is. They just think they just said this is how they're going to try to fix this hmm. so yeah now you've been educated in two countries and one of them being the one that's on the top of most of these things what would you say the difference is yourself i'm very interested to learn what you think the differences are um in the education system compared to mainland china and taiwan oh, um, or canada and where you're from and, and mainland china where you well um i went through uh, elementary school and middle school in china and it's a very i guess you know the rigorousness of the Chinese education system really can't be understated. Um, I used to not like it, but growing into this age, I'm glad that I was subject to that uh, level of training at a young age because it helped develop a lot of capabilities that benefited me to this day. Hmm. Um, whereas in Canada, while I started in high school, um, I mean, they give you more flexibility for sure, but it's also the age where I could use some flexibility. So I can't comment how they educate elementary and middle school kids. Hmm. You know, I went there when I was uh, in my late teens. Um, so you think competition is key to, really, yeah. to, to becoming, rising to the top? Yeah, think, think, of, think of Chinese education system in math as the U.S. basketball, pro, uh, the US basketball program. That's how those programs rise to the top. Well, you've right? heard it here. <laughs> Well, as I said at the top of the program, we've got a bit of good news and a bit of bad news. I guess we'll start, get the bad news out of the way first. Uh, we are looking at, well, we've been looking at it for a while, a kind of a, a pretty serious brain drain here. And oh, I was going to, I think you're going to say birth rate, but oh. Uh, no, that's a different issue. A, yeah. um, according to this uh, 
survey, 63% of people in Taiwan have said that they are inclined to work overseas next year. That's a lot of people. Reasons? <laughs> um, Higher salary? Salary. salary. Yeah, I bet. Mm. Uh, so this is, this is a report from the end of November here. Um, and so they've got this uh, recruit, global recruitment specialist, Michael Page, Taiwan. And uh, they did a press event at, like I said, towards the end of November, releasing an annual Taiwan salary benchmark report. And so um, the managing director for, for their Taiwan branch said that the job market here is going to see fierce competition for talent, in, especially in digital engineering, technology, and data next year, because a lot of people are leaving for China. I actually have a, a friend who left last week oh. uh, to pursue you know, greener pastures, more opportunities, higher salaries. It's, uh, so it's definitely uh, a situation in which sort of the people looking for jobs have a, what's that called, a buyer's market? <laughs> Where the people who are looking for jobs are kind of have a bit of an advantage. Yeah. Um, but yeah, 63% of respondents, like I said, would like to work overseas next year, reflecting long wage stagnation here, long-standing wage stagnation. However, uh, it's not completely bad news. Um, there are a few encouraging market indicators for Taiwan next year. Technology in particular seems to look promising, according to... Uh, the people speaking at this press conference. And uh, they specifically mentioned software development, online gaming startups, uh, app development, and other what they call developer-driven sectors. Uh, more good news is that uh, big technology players, uh, mainly from the West, seem to, have, seem to be interested in investing more in Taiwan. We've got Google. They're going to double their office space here next year. Uh, Amazon and Microsoft are also uh, expanding, especially their research and development centers. So, you know, there are some bright spots here, but like I said, uh, maybe our wage wages could be a bit higher. Um, I do wonder who those are those companies going to hire if all the talents go go abroad. Well, know? I don't think that sixty three percent of them will. They're just maybe say have the intention. They they think that they would if they were given the opportunity to do so. Right. Uh -huh. I doubt that we're gonna see sixty three percent of the working population flee in the next year. But that might be disastrous. Um yeah. Right. Um but I think that food for thought for people who are making policy here. Maybe if they think they hear that, you know, Google and Microsoft they're all expanding, maybe they'll think about hmm well yeah. I'll say. Um uh, the good news, the good side, is that here in Taipei, uh, we're still on top when it comes to uh, the best city for expats to live. And this is a worldwide survey done by Internations. Uh, they are one of the world's largest expat networks, according to this article here. And they released their annual list, this one for 2019, of the best and worst cities for expats to live. Taipei, it's not the first year that we've been on top. Uh, we've defended our spot, though. Uh, and the local quality of life is pretty much the reason why. Um, people here say, for instance, one respondent from Paraguay uh, said they love the convenience of everything here. There's food is easy to get. Transport is, is getting better and better. We have a new metro line opening pretty soon. Yep. Um, and of course, cheap medical service, which I must mm. say is very cheap if you come from certain other parts of the world. Um, we're not good in every category. Like all of, many of these surveys, there's a complicated network of subcategories and sub-subcategories that they use to calculate this. But, uh, uh, you know, uh, on the good side, we're doing very well when it comes to, like, the affordability of housing, I think, compared to a lot of other places in the world. Uh, rent here is reasonable. If you want to buy a house, that's a completely different story. But if you're just renting a place, you're not going to break the bank. Mm. Yeah, I wonder how that ever uh, economically makes sense. You know, it really is affordable for renters, but 
houses are exorbitantly expensive here. Yeah. yeah. Um, to own. And whereas yeah. a lot of local people are looking t- for the exits, uh, 21% of expats here, I, I don't know who these people are, uh, but they reported earning a grossly a gross yearly income of over 150,000 US dollars. Okay. So they're wow. making bank here. I don't know what field these people what are What line of job in. do they do? I imagine a lot of them are in some of these high-tech sectors. Yeah, most um, likely. Um, and... Let's see, what else do we have here? Um, we are not doing so well when it comes to the urban work life index. We fell from 2nd to 20th this year. That's a big tumble. Um, but people still are enjoying the fact that we have a bit of a work-life balance. If you're, I guess, a foreign expat here, you may have a, that better than some local people who are expected to do a lot of overtime. But, uh, you know, there was a favorability weighting when it comes to work-life balance of 76%, and the worldwide average was just 60 So we're doing pretty good there uh also local friendliness uh this is part of a subcategory called getting settled the getting settled index how easy it is to move and you know like it says get settled down here and uh we were fourth when it comes to local friendliness and when it was came to social life and finding friends we were in ninth so uh, you know some pretty good indicators there so uh, we actually, a, a number of Asian cities were near the top. Uh, we had Kuala Lumpur in Malaysia was second. Ho Chi Minh City, a place that's also very dear to my heart, that was third. Singapore was on the list. And then some of the usual suspects, the sort of, uh, from the sorts of countries you would expect to be on the top of this sort of list. Uh, there's Lisbon, Montreal, uh, Barcelona, The Hague, Basel. Um, some surprising Big losers, though. The bottom 10 included such cities as New York, Los Angeles, and San Francisco. Oh, oh dear. For experts? Oh. Yeah, and Paris <laughs> is on the list uh, towards the bottom. Milan and Rome are both near the bottom, too. Hmm. So a mixed bag. Yeah, um, really. It looks like there were around 80 cities on this list. Um, so How did New York end near the bottom? I've been there a couple of times. It seemed fine. I think visiting and living are maybe two different things. Um, and I imagine somewhere yeah. like San Francisco is very expensive to, yeah, to live that's, in. Yeah, that's true. San Francisco the is... The Bay Area yeah. is very expensive. So uh, sure. it may have nice amenities, but uh, they come at a cost, I guess is what you might say. I always told myself that I want to retire in San Francisco because the weather is just so awesome throughout the year. Um, <laughs> not during the summer. As a, not during was the it summer. Mark Twain who said the coldest I think things have changed. winter he ever spent was a summer in San Francisco or something like that? Um, I don't know. Well, climate That's, change. What if you said it must be true from it's, him? It's, yeah, it's chilly. Um, I think we have a... Uh, here in Taiwan, we have pretty nice weather. I, I don't think weather made it on the index, but uh, no. that was included, I think. Uh, we'll be at top as well. well uh, yeah, maybe not Taipei, but other parts of Taiwan, certainly. So, uh, yeah, definitely a place to uh, consider moving to and settling down. I know a lot of people who live here have just come and visited one time and ended up spending the rest of their lives here. Stay so up, staying. It has a way of sucking people in. What yes. can I say? All right. Well, that's all we have time for on today's edition of Here in Taiwan. I'm John Van Trieste. I'm Shirley Lin. And I'm Jake Chen. Don't go anywhere just yet. In just a moment, we have Lights, Camera, Asia and In the Spotlight coming your way.
Lights, Camera, Asia. A look at Asian culture and history through the lens of cinema. Hello and welcome back to Lights, Camera, Asia. I'm Jake Chen. After two weeks of intermission, this week we continue our coverage on Asian gangster movies. If you remember from two weeks ago, we began our coverage in the series with a movie called Young and Dangerous. It was a gangster film made in Hong Kong and released in 1996, and it kicked off a series of sequels, prequels, side stories, and even copycats, because the movie was just so immensely popular. As with all box office hits, the studios and producers would milk its success as much as possible for a while, before the movie, as a cultural product, eventually runs out of steam and eventually loses the lure with the audience. And I would say that it both did and did not happen with this series. The Young and Dangerous series of movies had a total of five sequels, which makes it six in total. And it died down around the time when the new millennium came around. But the gangster film as a genre never loses favor with the audience entirely, because the characters who are involved in gang activities, at least in the movies, have always been portrayed as powerful and charismatic characters. So after having that in the popular culture for many many years, they've entered the cultural zeitgeist everywhere in the world. So as a new millennium rolls round, a new generation of gangster films is on the horizon, and the standout example of the bunch is called Infernal Affairs. But before we even get into the movie and what it's all about, let's take a look at just how far-reaching its cultural impact is. You won't be paid as a regular cop, but there's a bonus involved. So what do I do? You will not ever know the identity of undercover people. You have anyone in with Costello presently? Maybe. Do you know who I am? Maybe not. When I have my associates search. This is the trailer of Departed, a cop thriller directed by Martin Scorsese in 2006. It tells the story of an undercover policeman in a gang who tries to identify the undercover gang member in the police force. The film was a huge hit that year. And he won Scorsese the Best Director's Award at the Oscars. Now this is the trailer of New World, a Korean gangster drama released in 2013. It tells the story of an undercover policeman in a gang. Who struggles to survive in a series of clashes between the police force and the gang? The movie was also a big box office and critical hit when it was released in South Korea in 2013. Now, do they sound familiar? Of course they do. Both movies were cultural hits in their own right, and their storylines are very similar for a reason. They were both based on a 2001 crime drama produced in Hong Kong. The one and only Infernal Affairs. The movie was a cultural phenomenon when it was released in the Greater China area back in 2001. It is well produced and just exquisite in every aspect you can imagine. 
at the uh, Hong Kong Film Award of that year, it won some of the most coveted awards, including Best Director, Best Editing, Best Sound Editing, Best Cinematography, as well as the Best Actor and Best Support Actor. It features some of the best actors and stars in Asia at the time. It is a top quality production through and through, and even with that out of the way, the movie itself is just a great hit. So much so that production companies in America and later on in South Korea came to purchase the right to adopt the screenplay in their own productions. Hence, the Americanized and the South Korean version of the film was later on produced and released. In fact, like all great movies, it inspires a lot of uh, people who pay homage or straight up copy. A lot of gangster films following that movie's release featured stories that involve undercover policemen. And later on in Japan, the movie was also adopted into their own two-part movie series. See, stories about undercover police in a criminal organization is not exactly new. In fact. It is a well-used, say, drama trope in cop slash gangster movie genre, since it gives a lot of opportunity for all kinds of dramatic development. It leads to plot twists, tension, things such as betrayal and the discovery of the truths, and the development of ties and emotional connections between people on opposite sides of the law, etc. With that in mind, there is this question: What if? There is an undercover policeman in a gang. Well, at the same time, a member of the gang is an undercover in the police force. Now we have some interesting dynamics, because each side will be trying very hard to fish out the mole in the other party, while in constant fear of being exposed himself, since the consequence is very likely to be very grim. I'm sure that you can already see that this dynamic brings plenty of possibilities for potential plot twists and resolutions. So, without further ado, let's dive into the world of Infernal Affairs. The year was mid 1990s, and Mr. Hansen. A short, stubby man and a rising power in Hong Kong's gang world, specifically the Triad, gives a speech to a group of young gangsters. He tells them that they are all pretty fresh in the game, and that they have a choice to pick different paths to make a difference. What path exactly is he offering? Han doesn't say. In the scene immediately follow that, we、we'll、see a young man engaging in a series of training at a police academy. Training includes rifle drills, marching information, among others. While he is standing among the rest of the young police recruits, we see a close-up shot of his face, and we recognize that he is one of the earlier young gangsters who were addressed by Han, the gang boss. As it turns out, his name is Lau, and he is a gangster who's serving as an undercover in the police force. At one point in the training facility. Another young police cadet is expelled from the force. The tall, slender young man walks out of the front gate as the drill officer warns the remaining group of trainees to obey orders, or else the young man will be an example of how they would end up. The expelled cadet turns back for a second, and he happens to look loud right in the eyes. The two exchange a brief look, and their lives would be changed forever in ways that either one can imagine. 
all we see is that when the officer asked the whole police force, well, if there's anyone who would like to trade plays with the expelled guy, Lao murmured under his breath, saying that he would like to trade plays with him. And trading places, either by choice or involuntarily, is a theme in the movie moving forward. As it turns out, the expelled cadet didn't commit any disciplinary offense at all. The young man's surname is Chen, and he has been a standout cadet all along. The trainers have spotted his talent and uh, asked him whether he wanted to enroll in an undercover program, to which he agreed. In the following weeks and years, Chen would get into fights, frequently break the law, and get in and out of prison, and eventually, he gradually immersed himself in the world of crime and violence. The movie then jumps forward a few years, and at this point, both Lao and Chen have advanced quite a lot in their fields. Lao is now a rising star in the Hong Kong police force, a detective who is looking to advance even further, even higher up the rank. Chen, on the other hand, is knee-deep in the dark side. He is a seasoned gangster now, and a trusted right-hand man of Han. And Han, who has put his pawns in the police, has risen quickly in the world of crime thanks to all the information that he's gathered from a web of undercover officers over the years. This allows him to st always stay one step ahead of the competition, that includes ahead of other criminal organizations and ahead of the cops as well. In a large-scale drug transaction, however, Everything is about to come crashing down, and the delicate balance between the triad and the police gets tipped over. In a scene, Han organizes a trade with his supplier who is coming from Thailand, and the police somehow gets wind of this. Lao, now a detective, couldn't figure out how the information got leaked. He quickly sends a message to his real boss, Han, to warn him that the police are hot in pursuit. Han then calls the gangsters and asks them to drive around the city and lead the police into a wild chase. Things are getting tense as the night gets darker and darker, and it is getting confusing for both sides. Chief Inspector Huang, who directs the entire drug bust operation, gets wind that the drug dealers somehow know the cops every move and are evading them. Huang is getting nervous and angry because the directions that he gives to the police somehow gets leaked to the gang members just seconds later, and yet he can't figure out how. He waits patiently, and eventually at one point in the night, he is informed that the gangsters are finally about to move forward to make a trade. He tells the police officers to get ready and to move in on them and make the bust. The gang members get a phone call a split second before the police turn on their lights. They quickly dumped large bags of heroin into the sea before the police rush in and apprehend them. While the police did get their hands on the criminals, they lose the evidence and can't charge them with anything more than a minor misdemeanor. The gangsters, on the other hand, have lost tens of millions of dollars worth of drugs in the trade. Both Han, the gang boss, and Huang, the police chief inspector, are livid. One lost a large amount of money, and the other didn't get the criminals. As they meet face to face in the police bureau where the gang members are temporarily detained, 
Bowles have realized one chilling fact. They each has at least one undercover on the other side, and nobody knows who that is, how to fish him out, or what the consequence will be. The cat and mouse game is on, and the price for the losing side is likely to be certain death. We'll pick up the story in next week's Lights Camera Asia, so please stay tuned. I'm Jake Chen, and I can't wait to talk more about the story of Infernal Affairs with you next week. See you then. Ladies and gentlemen, here's Shirley Lin with In the Spotlight. Welcome to In the Spotlight. I'm Shirley Lin. Lydia Chang is the founder of Origin Yoga and Wellness. It's the first of its kind of yoga retreat center in Taiwan. Lydia spent quite a bit of her life in Canada. She had a great job as an accountant, but she started getting really stressed out with her work. She then remembered how her father, a yoga master, taught her to relax and meditate. She came back three and a half years ago and found these buildings near where she used to live still abandoned. Her dad said that's a great place to start a yoga center, and she did. After all, it's right by the sea. There's a beach, waterfalls, and mountains. Her clients come from everywhere around the world. Today, she continues to talk about this yoga retreat center of hers. I began by asking her if her business is affiliated with any yoga centers worldwide. <laughs> no、oh. affiliation whatsoever. Yeah. So how <laughs> how would they know about your place and then flying in and and just being here for just that for that program? I would say it's because yoga and wellness vacation is on the rise; is becoming more and more in demand.、Mm. So many of these guests they are looking for wellness vacation. So when they type、mm. in wellness vacation Taiwan or on Google, for example, or yoga retreat, there's there's a huge community. So many people are falling in love with yoga retreats or meditation retreats. So when they Google such term, we would show up because we are the only one <laughs> in Taiwan. Oh, I see. But you know, it's kind of out in the suburb. How how can people get to your place? I mean, do you provide shuttle bus or? I I don't. I we don't and, have and the also... funding right now to to buy a huge bus. <laughs> we we do have taxi driver、uh, that we work with. Oh, okay. Like local drivers that we work with. That makes sense.、Uh, that we can pick up the guests directly from the airport or yeah, from yeah, the yeah. MRT station. Is really. Not that far away,、uh, for for commuting wise. Many people that goes to yoga retreats, they can endure commute of up to like six to eight hours. Some sometimes it's up in the middle of nowhere、really? in the mountains. But or, yeah, because you, you want to be out in in solitude, you know,、um, kind of like surrounded by nature or whatever. That's probably the best place, right?、Oh, okay, to have these kind of yoga centers. Right. So right now you don't provide accommodation either. We do have accommodation. Oh, you do. Yes. Oh, we have accommodation. That makes sense, right? So it's all inclusive, and we also work with、uh, B and Bs as well、oh. and、uh, local tour operators. So it's a it's a whole all inclusive vacation or yoga wellness experience. Oh, it's a whole package deal. Right. Yeah. Right. Oh, wow, that's interesting. So you just show up. You know, just bring your luggage. Show up. You don't have to worry about anything, and you're coming for definitely guarantee、um, unique. 
local experiences, really good yoga and meditation classes, and bonding with like-minded individuals, and being somewhere beautiful and be inspired by nature. So that's、uh-huh. the main appeal for most guests. So if people come for six days, do they just only stay at the retreat center the whole time, the whole six days? We do have、um, local excursions,、yeah. as well as what we call ocean therapy、uh-huh. and nature walks, where we would take them out.、Uh, we are very blessed because we're very close to, like near, right in front of us is the beach. Right.、Uh, there's probably three beaches within walking distance. Within half an hour drive is Yamingsan National、yes. Park. We're also close to the old streets, the temples. There's so many sakura season. Even we even have sakura in March.、Oh. So all season, there's something to see and do. You take them on all of these different activities, right? We there there are immersion experiences because、mm-hmm. many of them are unique that we create for our guests. So, for example, we will work with a local farmer. It might be like a visit to their home and planting. Sweet potato, really? <laughs> yes. Or、oh. going to visit a local herb- herbal garden、mm-hmm. and do like fresh aroma therapy. Oh. Or visiting a local artist and 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 maybe experience a wood making workshop. Oh, that is so cool. So you personally kind of went through these yourself before you started planning the program, right? Like、yes. what I'm saying is like maybe you actually went to the wood carver's place and you actually carved something yourself, and then you went to. I don't know. Went through all the trails before you actually mark out, you know, the trails that you would have for your programs and all that kind of stuff. Yes. Yes, that's the fun part of my job. That's the fun part of the job. <laughs> Curating、so、experiences. Oh, so you're constantly like looking for new routes and yeah, trails and that kind of stuff and new activities and. New, I don't know, artists and all that kind of stuff, right? Yes, as、oh, long as it's yoga and wellness related,、uh-huh. and non non commercialized, non touristy, then yes, I'm lo- always looking for those. But you're also an instructor yourself, a yoga instructor yourself, are I, you? I am. I'm also、yeah. a teacher. And you、yes. also take them on the routes, the hiking trails, and then visit to the you know to local streets and to the、um, to the wood carvers. I mean, you all you do all that too. Uh, we do work with local tour operator as well. So、oh. some of these hosts will they would do the tour, but if there are components which all of them do have the the component that involves the wellness or the mindfulness part, then I would come in.、Mm. So alongside the local host, I would be there to guide the meditation part. For example, in the waterfall. Oh yeah, I was just thinking. You, you I guess you sometimes have some meditation、um, sessions out in nature. Yes,、right? as much as we can, actually. Yeah. What What happens if it rains? Do you also continue the session out there? I mean, sometimes you can experience something differently under rain, right? Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> it, as long as it's not a typhoon, right? I know. I know. <laughs> it's really up to our guests. So another unique thing about our program is generally is a small size,、uh-huh. uh, so people can really get to know each other, and also we take care of the guest needs. Some people are very adventurous; they want to be out there all the time. Some、yeah. people are very sheltered; they just want to sit by the window and look at the ocean, which is fine.、Uh-huh. A ret- Retreat is the time that you take for yourself. So we try to cater and we try to personalize the experience. Oh, okay. Run us through like a one particular day.、Mm-hmm. Um, like you said, sometimes someone could be in just for a one day session, which is like from nine to five. Right. So can you can you kind of run through it and just like what happens at nine and then ten and whatever. Sure. We actually just did one yesterday.、Uh-huh. We had we had、uh, two guests from Japan and two from the Philippines, and coming coming in. Two of them are returning actually, which is great.、Uh-huh. Uh, so we started our day at nine a.m. 
And they came, and I I bake homemade muffins to greet them. And so we had tea tasting. Wait, what kind of muffins? Describe them. (laughs) (laughs) What was it made of? What did you have in them? Usually I make very simple, like apples and banana muffins, just something simple. Very healthy. I'm not a fancy baker. (laughs) Right, right, right. Okay. Yes, definitely healthy. Many of our guests are already vegetarians, if not vegans. Oh, okay. Uh, So definitely very, try to keep it low sugar and things like that. Um, Yeah, so they come, we greet them with something homemade to start their day, a snack and tea tasting. Um, And then we start just a round of introduction because a part of the retreat is we get to spend the whole day together it's an opportunity for everyone to get to know everyone else Mm -hmm. on a very personal level so we come here our theme for the retreat is connect with your natural self Uh so i generally ask everyone to think about that and perhaps use one word to describe their natural self as a lead to begin telling their own story Um, after that introduction we go upstairs to the studio space where we would practice yoga Uh And when I mean yoga is all aspects of yoga. So for example, the physical part, the -hmm. breathing part, and the meditation as well. So we would practice all of that in the one session. Uh Class is probably about an hour, an hour and a half. Um, There's a little break between between yoga and lunch. And during this time, we do what we call karma yoga and giving back to the community. So most of the time, we would go on a volunteer mission, uh, either with a a local MPO close by, or Mm. we would go to do beach cleaning, things like that. So we would do that for about an hour. (laughs) It's giving back. Yeah. And then after... So just you and the four of them. Yes. Were they all just women? Actually, two of them were U.S. soldiers (laughs) stationed in Okinawa. (laughs) So... How interesting. exactly. I I mean... They kind of just took a day off from their, their post. Yeah, their post. Is uh, that it? They were on a, well, one of them is a returning guest. Okay. So he brought his friend oh. uh, or his, I guess, another soldier with him. Yeah. And yeah, so this, this is their second time here. Oh, that's so interesting. Okay. Right. And the other two? The other two is a couple. Oh, okay. Got it. From Got the it. Philippines. So after beach cleaning, then they come back to the center for lunch? Yes. And we make the lunch in house. Together? No. (laughs) (laughs) That's too too short for that one day. Maybe in the longer session, perhaps we will have some cooking demonstration. But generally in the one day we don't, we make the food for them. Uh Actually, the chef is my my brother. Oh. (laughs) Oh, how about that? What was for lunch? Right. So generally we would take anything that's seasonal and fresh. And we do work with, like I said, uh, what we call the local farmers. We purchase from them. And so right now what's in season is bamboo shoot. Oh, yum. (laughs) Uh, Jiaobaishun. Oh, yeah. I love those too. They're called water... Water bamboo. Bamboo, right. Right. Oh, I love those. Okay. (laughs) So we make vegetarian dishes. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So water bamboo, local organic vegetables, stir fry, just very healthy and light, um, spicy tofu, Uh a lot of Taiwanese dishes. Because also we want to share that aspect of Taiwan to our visitors. Right. Um, And also rice. Everything is sourced from Taiwan. Mm. You're listening to In the Spotlight with Shirley Lin. After 
after lunch. After lunch, uh, generally we would have a wellness workshop in house.、Mm-hmm. So this could be a meditation session with my dad, for example,、uh, talking about the art of meditation.、Yeah. Or sometimes I teach about Ayurveda, which is another part of. Yoga,、mm-hmm. um, more like the medical side of yoga theory. Medical side. Oh, okay. Right. Yeah.、Uh, but yesterday, because it was one of the one of the ladies' birthday,、oh. <laughs> so we planned a special excursion for her, which we had our workshop outside in a local herbal garden. Uh huh.、Mm-hmm. Oh wow. Where she got a um, well, where we got to do fresh aromatherapy using plants,、mm-hmm. and afterwards we made tea out、mm-hmm. of the plants that we pick,、mm-hmm. um, and the herbal garden owner did a plant reading for us. Oh, okay. <laughs> It's very very special. Yeah,、mm-hmm. it is very special. Right. So interesting. Okay, and that would have been about what time? Not three in the afternoon, probably four. Yes, around three、um, thirty.、Mm-hmm. So we would enjoy our afternoon tea at the herbal garden and have dessert. Mm-hmm. As well,、uh, also made by the garden owner.、Oh. <laughs> and then after that, after we wrap that up, we come back to the beach and we do a, a sunset walk、oh, on the beach. Oh, <laughs> of course, right? And we call this ocean therapy. So、mm-hmm. not just walking, but we're also there to breathe, and we're also there just to rest. And we take off our shoes and、mm-hmm. soak our feet in the water,、mm-hmm. and drawing some of the energy from the earth. Um, into into ourselves, and then we do our closing circle, or what we call loving kindness meditation, at the end, where we share this energy that we cultivated from taking care of ourselves for the whole day and sharing it, visualize sharing it with someone that we love. So you plan this whole program, or did you pick up these different I don't know activities and and ideas? From when you were trying to get your teaching certificate in India, or did you plan this all by yourself? I planned、Everything. this all by myself. Wow!、Um, a lot of the ideas are unique and original.、Mm. Definitely, there are some basic expectations for a yoga retreat center. So, people that go on yoga retreat, they expect good, healthy food. Yes, and they also expect good yoga classes and meditation. They also expect some kind of local experience. Okay. Or time in nature. Yeah. So I take I take these components of what people are looking for, and I just infuse it with some of my ideas, and that's part of what I love about being the founder and this whole creation process. I really do feel like I'm I'm creating, just sharing something that I already love doing. Yeah. A lot of time I. Create a retreat. To be honest, for myself, <laughs> <laughs> these are all things that I love to do myself. Yeah, yeah. And so when my guests come, I really just feel like they're just experiencing a part of what I love to do. Yeah, that is so cool. So actually, this sounds to me it's a family business. You know, your dad and your brothers involved and everything. I mean, your team is just the three of you. I'm sure there's more, right? Yes, actually, my dad is not involved in the business. It's just、uh-huh. I, I would like beg、He's、him to a... come <laughs> <laughs> and be my guest teacher. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He has his own students in Taipei,、oh, okay. um, and he does his own thing. So the center is founded by myself and my brother. So、oh, the、okay. two of us are the co-founders,、mm-hmm. and I do have a team. I um I also have a helper that does housekeeping and cleaning.、Uh, we have guest teachers as well that、mm-hmm. help me host retreats. Oh, I see. Eventually, I do hope to have multiple locations. That's my ultimate goal. You mean within Taiwan or 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 outside Taiwan? 
starting from Taiwan. Okay, okay, okay. Um, and then going outside of Taiwan. Sure. I think that if I were in your position, I would be so stressed out because, like, you know, being the founder and and being the one organizing everything at the center and planning the class. And but you seem really calm to me, you know. <laughs> and I'm sure that you're you're benefiting from what you love the most, and that's yoga itself. I wish you all the best. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you so much for sharing. It's been a lot of fun talking to you. Thank you, Lydia. Thank, Thank you. you so much. Thank you for listening to Radio Taiwan International, broadcasting from Taipei, Taiwan. Check out our website at english.rti.org.tw. Again, that's english.rti.org.tw for the latest news and features from Taiwan. You can also listen to our programs and watch videos as well. Our 60-minute English language program can also be heard every day at the following times and frequencies. In southern China and South Asia, from 1600 to 1700 UTC on 6180 kHz. Again, that's in southern China and South Asia, from 1600 to 1700 UTC on 6180 kHz. And in Southeast Asia, from 0300 to 0400 UTC on 15320 kHz. Again, that's in Southeast Asia from 0300 to 0400 UTC on 15320 kHz. We'd love to hear from you. Please send your comments to P.O. Box 123-199, Taipei, Taiwan. Again, that's P.O. Box 123-199, Taipei, Taiwan. Or send an email to rti at rti.org.tw. Again, that's rti at rti.org.tw. Also visit us on Facebook. The address is fb.me forward slash Radio Taiwan International. Once again, on Facebook, we're located at fb.me forward slash Radio Taiwan International for videos, photos, and news of interest from Taiwan. Thank you once again for listening to Radio Taiwan International. <laughs>